Let's pray. Lord God, as we come before your word, thank you. We need you, and we thank you for your, your grace given to us in your word, that, that as, as we need you, you speak to us, and you've given us your word that we would know you, and we would know your will and your ways and, and, and who you are and what you want of us and, and who we are in respect to who you are. And Lord, we just praise you for you've given us an immense gift in your word. We thank you for your spirit. We pray that you'd be here and active amongst us. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I have this box of tools. I have these tools. Uh, some of them I've purchased myself, and, and some I've simply inherited. I, I received them by no merit of my own, simply by being my father's son. And they've been useful. I've found that when my car has stopped working or when something needs re- repair at home, I can get upset and angry about it, and I can yell at the pipes, or I can whatever, I can make sarcastic comments about how terrible it is. Or I can just bury my head, I can go up to my room, bury my head in the pillow, and try to forget that something needs to be done about it. Or I I can find the right tool for the moment, and, and using what feeble skills I might have, I can do something about it. Let's see, I've got rawhide mallet. It's good for people, <laughs> pliers, you have a degree in music education and performance, and a degree in theology and biblical studies, it's hmm. an interesting tool, what else do I have here, you have fully functioning hands and feet, you've been given life. That's an interesting tool. Whoever wrote those must be a very smart person. In our passage today, we're going to see that there's a problem in our home. This world is broken. And we're going to see Paul reach into his toolbox and he's going to pull out one simple tool in order to to progress, in order to continue, in order to see the gospel kingdom carry on. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 22, if you haven't done that yet. Acts chapter 22, starting in verse 22. Acts 22, 22. Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. It says, up to this word, when Paul had said that he would be going to the Gentiles by the command of God, The verse before that, he says, For I will send you, God will send Paul, far away to the Gentiles. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? 
When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came to him and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, Yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, But I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you. This is the world. Verses 22 and 23. Up to this word they listened to him, and they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks, flinging dust in the air. The world doesn't want anything to do with the gospel or the truth of God in his word. This world is broken. It's in a state of spiritual blindness. They, they don't even begin to see a problem with full-term abortion. The world opposes the word of God and the progress of the gospel. We live as Christians, as believers, as those who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We live in hostile territory, don't we? And Satan really doesn't want to see anyone come to faith. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5.8 that Satan is like a prowling lion. That just, he's just waiting for someone to devour. He is our adversary. He stands in opposition to us. As we see in the parable of the sower that Jesus gave in, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells us that eager, Satan is just eager to, to swoop in and remove the word that has been sown in people's lives. There is a spiritual war going on. And we we see it all around us, don't we? Because people have free will. And that free will is broken. Romans 3, verses 10 to 18. None is righteous. And if, if you want to think about that for a second, he says, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. Think about that imagery. The rot. The filth. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. These are the words of God regarding man. God doesn't seem to think too highly of free will, does he? Because with it, we choose sin. I mentioned earlier that the world doesn't begin to see a problem with full-term abortion. I think they do see a problem with it. I've watched some videos of, of, of senator types 
politicians presenting these bills. And when they're asked directly, so does your bill allow for that child to be terminated while it's being born and they have to pause and they they don't want to answer the question because they know full well there is a problem with it. I think they do know, but because of the brokenness of human free will, they still choose sin. As Paul describes to us in Romans chapter 6, we, the, the world is enslaved to sin. Because we are slaves either of sin or in Jesus Christ, we are set free to become slaves of righteousness. The world is as we all once were. Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. In our passage here today, the the people railed against the gospel, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. They put their hatred towards God and his gospel on open display. This scene described here in Acts reminds me of many of the protests we see in the media today and and the the same kind of aggressive display that a a pastor friend of mine, he, he experienced in California as he tried to stand for the truth of God's word. He had a ministry in San Francisco from the mid-70s into the 90s. And he he describes a meeting of the San Francisco school board in 1990 as as certain persons tried to push the homosexual agenda to not simply be accepted, but to be taught in the schools, to be counseled. And he said, the room where the school board was meeting, it, it was full of people. It was panicked. We looked around at the screaming, taunting crowd, afraid to actually stare too long at one person as they jeered and spit obscenities in our faces, paralyzing the school board with their bullying tactics. After the president of the school board tried to call the meeting to order, ridicule of the Bible and Christian faith went on continuously for approximately 45 minutes with a full 15 minutes of nonstop whistleblowing just noise the world and its free will are broken with this kind of behavior the school board caved and the world won the day in san francisco there's nothing new under the sun as we see paul stretched out to be flogged because of the uncontrolled vehemence and anger of the crowd in that day. All because he dared to share the good news of salvation with Gentiles. And then as as he's about to be scourged, as he's stretched out, and they're about to take the, the whip and flog him, it had probably four or five strands on there, and each strand would be tied a little piece of bone or metal on the end, and they would beat somebody to get the 
truth out of them. Sometimes people would die under this flogging. And he's about to be scourged. We see Paul reach into his toolbox and pull out a tool. You see, we can do a few things at these kinds of times. We can join them. We, we can be just as mean as they are. Because, hey, they deserve it, right? We can shake our heads and condemn them. Or we can bury our heads and, and pretend it isn't happening around us or, or hope it'll just go away. We, we've read the end of the book, right? We know how to lend. Or we can realize right here and right now that we are an investment of God for a purpose. God has invested in us. He has invested in you qualities, gifts, talents and abilities, skills, those that you've studied and and trained in, and sometimes things that are just innate to who you are. God has put these in us. He's given all of this that we, like Paul, would share the gospel with a world that is lost. God had built into Paul the skills and gifts he needed to carry out his gospel mission. Paul was chosen before the foundations of the earth. He reminds us that all of us are chosen in Christ before the foundations of the earth in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. God caused Paul to be born into a unique set of circumstances. Chapter 22, verses 3 through 5, we read about him. He says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are to this day. I persecuted this way to death, binding men and women. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees, learned scripture under Gamaliel, and yet he was born in a Gentile city from a Jewish family that somehow got him Roman citizenship from his birth. He had the ability to speak Hebrew and Greek. He, he, we saw in his speech to the people out there in front of him that he had trained oratory skills as he silenced them with a wave of his hand. He knew how to do it. He had learned some skills. He was a tent maker. He had some natural skills that he honed and practiced and some innate graces that he was simply born into like his citizenship, all worked and crafted together by God into, into Paul. He, he was a toolbox prepared by God to be an instrument in his hand for the gospel. Who are you? Who are you? How has God invested in you? What, what gifts, skills, and abilities do you have? What story? Hard, difficult, well-to-do, whatever it might be. In, into what narrative has God placed you? I guarantee you, part of that narrative is right where you're sitting. You are a part of the family here at Alden Union Church. I guarantee you, you are not designed to warm the pews. They don't need it. 
as cold as it might be. Where were you born? What language do you speak? Are you deaf? How awful! Or is it? If you can sign, if you can speak American Sign Language, ASL, you can reach a people group who need Christ that not everybody can reach. You may not have asked to be deaf or hurt or born into your citizenship. But these can all be tools in your toolbox to reach someone else's life, to reach into their life and share Jesus Christ with them. What have you studied? How, how can your knowledge and understanding point others to Christ? How, how can I use all that God has invested in me for his glory? Are you a hammer? Are you a screwdriver? Maybe you're an all to, to prod other people into love and good deeds. Whatever you might think you are right now, remember what God's word tells us. You are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are a tool for his purposes, saved that he might use you for something greater. The, the, the creator has invested himself in you throughout your life before you were even born. And he invested in you with his own blood at the cross. We have been purchased. We have been bought. We are not our own. When we look at this picture before us in this passage of Scripture, the, the world raging against God, his, his word, the gospel, his, his moral measure, and we, we see that same picture all around us in the culture and society around us today. How are we fitting into that picture? How are we fitting in? Are, are we a part of the problem? Being just as angry, just as mean, just as hard-hearted towards them as they are towards Christ? Maybe we're just wishing it all away. Tucking in our head, closing our eyes, and, and taking the flogging. Or are we like Paul? In spite of how the world reacts, do, do we really expect the world to behave differently? They're behaving just the way they should. They're, they're still in the depths of their choices of sin, their broken free will. They don't know any better. We should. In spite of how the world reacts, are we reaching into our tool bag to, to do what we can to fix the problem? Paul reached into his box and pulled out the tool of his Roman citizenship in order to continue the gospel call that God had placed upon his life. Now, that call is a servant of God that Paul describes to us in one of his letters to Timothy. Second Timothy says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. And Paul reached out. He reached out to the centurion standing by. Verse, verse 25, they had stretched him out for the whips. Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, 
Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? He reached out to that Roman centurion standing there. Paul decided that it was worth continuing to share the gospel, not getting angry with the crowd or with the centurion, and not just taking the flogging and and just waiting for it all to be done, to go home and complain about it. Paul reached out. It made me think about who who is it that's standing by? Who is standing by me? Uh, Who's standing by you on a Sunday morning at church? are, Are we aware of who is standing by? And then, am I considering how I, as as an investment of God, how can I reach out? How can I be used today for gospel purposes? Who can I encourage or prod to an act of love, to go say hi to somebody, to speak to somebody, to give them a hug? But it's not in my comfort zone. I'm sure that Paul, under these circumstances, would have rather been on vacation in Bermuda. But God has you here. God has us here, together as a family. What about on a Monday at work or at school? When people are being difficult and the situation is challenging, am I aware of the centurion standing by? And how I might be able to affect their life for Christ. See, we don't, we don't see it here explicitly stated, but Paul was probably saving this guy's life, or at least his property and title, by not allowing him to flog him. Paul reached out and, uh, and saved him from the punishment that would have been due him because Paul's citizenship outranked even that of the tribune because it was from birth, not paid for. Do we have a Christ-like concern for others in the gospel kingdom? We've been given tools, and we ourselves are instruments in the Redeemer's hands on purpose. Not just to observe a dying world as it passes by, to recognize its, its brokenness and, and wave goodbye, glad it's gone, shaking our heads at its insanity as it goes, Closing our eyes to them because we now have some kind of free pass into heaven, so hey, I'm good. We've been given our salvation. Our eyes have been opened to the truth by grace through the Spirit of God, but for a purpose that we, not waiting for somebody else to do it, but we would embrace the salvation of others that we would long for it, remembering that, but by the grace of God, we would still be in the same place that the world is. Do we, do we long for the salvation of the lost? Do we long to build up the body, our brothers and sisters, the people who are walking through these doors? Are we reaching out to them because we love them, because we've been loved? Has it gone from a mental acknowledgement of, yeah, that's important, to a, to a heartfelt desire of, I'm going to go do something about this because I can't just sit here and warm a pew. As I look at what Paul is going through and, and what he will continue to endure as we move on through the book of Acts and finish it up, I had to ask myself, am I excited and ready to share the gospel in season and out of season? Anytime, when, when things are good with me or when things are bad with me in this world? 
Do I, do I desire to see people saved in Jesus Christ, even if it's to my detriment, even if it's to my worldly detriment, uh, even if I have to endure trials or challenges? How important is the salvation of others to me? Is it as important as my own? Acts 1.8. God tells us, you will be my witnesses. As I come to church, what am I witnessing? As I go out into this world, as I go to work, as I go to school, what am I witnessing? What am I testifying to? That I can be just like the world? Is there something different in who we are? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Do these words ring in my ears when I wake up in the morning? And am I ready to do something with it? Do I understand my upward call in Christ Jesus, that salvation that I've been given? Am I going to whip out my toolbox and pull out everything I can for the sake of the gospel? Let's pray that that is the church family that we long to be. Let's pray. Father God, we need a strength that is not our own because we have comfort zones and we don't want to cross them. We need your Spirit to open our eyes to the lost and our hearts to what they need, that same salvation that you, God, have given to us. Lord, use us as tools in your hands. Use us to share the gospel, to to love on others as they come in these doors, as we go out to them. I pray, Lord, you would help us to be more than pew warmers, to be more than religious, to do more than offer sacrifices at the right time, but, Lord, to give you our hearts and all that we are for your greatest glory because you are indeed holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty who deserves our utmost for your greatest glory. Draw us together, Lord, and use us, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.